This is Paula Rivera, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 104 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That would be Mr. Bob Lucius. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob, are you going to beat your gums today? What the hell does that mean, Rick? Do I have something in my teeth? Do I have a floss? No, Bob, we're going to beat your gums, yeah? yeah? You know what I mean? See, yeah? Yeah, no, that's that's slang from World War II. And it means we're going to talk a lot about a subject. Oh, and what might that subject be tonight, Rick? Well, we have a special guest today, Bob, and that would be a Paulo Rivera who is a uh, 20-year uh, comic book vet artist. Um, he's been a renowned painter, penciler. Um, he's done over like uh, you know, something like 200 covers, um, but he's also done uh, a series of beautifully painted one-shots uh, called Mythos. And we're going to be covering uh, Captain America today, which took place in World War II. So there you go, Bob. It is World War II talking a lot about a subject i like your the depth of your research that you put into these things rick it's astounding ah thanks bob You'll but it's tell- also astounding that we're going to have paulo on the show because i love captain american mythos i love all the other mythos and i love his work but captain american mythos has a special place in my heart and i, I think yours as well it did. Like we just covered it last episode. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back and listen to uh, episode 103, where we cover it panel by beautiful panel and uh, give our thoughts on uh, on that issue. But yeah, today we're going to talk uh, to Paulo Rivera. Um, but also, I Bob, I want to point out there in um, episode 108, just four weeks from today, our next guest is going to be Dr. Mark White. You remember you remember uh, Dr. White, don't you? I surely do. That was a great uh, interview that we had with him way back when. Yeah, well, it was actually episode 30, which is like a year and a half ago. And uh, he's the, if for those who haven't checked out episode 30, make sure you do. He's the author of uh, a book called The Virtues of Captain America. And so we thought it would be fun to have... Uh, Professor White back on the show to talk about various, I don't know, philosophical issues that are going on, whether in the past or contemporary, and then have uh, the listeners call in with questions. And then uh, Dr. White will um, give his uh, response on what would Cap do in this situation? And then he, you know, uh, with all the, the, the research that he did on on Captain America comic books, he can point to other times where it would, would lead one to believe that based on the past, this is what Cap would do in this situation. So uh, that, I think that'd be a lot of fun. What do you what do you think? I do, too. I do. Mark has a uh, you know, he has an amazing uh, referential knowledge of Captain America. Uh, but he's also a philosopher and has a background in ethics. And so uh, it's a great confluence of specialties, Rick. And so I think it's going to be a lot of fun to throw some tough ones at him and see 
what he can do if he can wrestle out what cap would do. Well, do you have a, a question in mind that you would like to ask, Dr. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, there's lots of questions, I think, in contemporary society that we could ask, hmm, what would cap do? How would cap handle this? Right. And so maybe one of the ones I know it's uh, ooh, it might might it's a bit controversial, but I, I'd say, gosh, what would cap do about uh, the divide we have in our country right now? How how would he handle that? Right. How would his virtues come into play into bridging the differences we have in our country? You know, Bob, I can always count on you to have some sort of well thought out and um, poignant uh, approach to, you know, um, the thought process and, and, and what you want to take a look at. But you know what I want to know, Bob, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in the She-Hulk Disney plus series, mm-hmm. uh, there was a little talk about, is Captain America a virgin? <laughs> oh, that's right. That was yeah. very, that was more controversial. Than, I know, right? Uh, everything else yeah. going on. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, At least on so Facebook. That's what I bring to the show, Bob. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're going to, I'm going to ask Dr. White. I'm going to be like, so do you think, do you think Steve's a virgin? Then why? No. Yeah. That would be an interesting question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is, it brings up ethics, morals, right? Things like sure. that. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that'll be fine. So, and you know, Bob, uh, one of the things that is a, a special treat for our patrons, um, you know, those who, who support the show on a monthly basis, they have the ability to ask questions to our guests. So we're going to put it out to them first, right? So to, to our patrons out there, um, you, you can go ahead and submit one of two ways. You can send us an email at uh, capcomicfans at gmail.com. And the other way, too, is you can call in, right? Because we love hearing your voice. You can go to anchor.fm forward slash cap comic book fans forward slash message. And, and I'll put the link in, in the show notes. So you can just go there uh, or on the Facebook page. And uh, you, can, you can call in and you can leave us a, a message. And maybe we will play it for Dr. White and uh, see what his response is. And then I know some of you out there are like, well, I want to submit a question. Well, you can too, if you were a patron. So if you want to find out how you could be a patron, just go to our website, which is CaptainAmericaComicBookFans.com. And uh, at the top or at the bottom, depending if you're on mobile or desktop or whatever, um, there is a place there of um, learning more about the uh, the different perks you get for being a patron. So um, not only if you sign up on the Shield Slinger level, will you be able to submit a question for our guests, but we'll also send you a, what would cap do challenge coin. So check that out uh, on our website, Um, but that'll be fun. So make sure uh, listeners come back for episode 108 when we have professor white on uh, for our listener Q and a. Absolutely. Rick. I mean, we are uh, the one thing that you get right. Uh, In addition to be able to ask questions is that coin and we're, we're running on fumes for those Rick. Right. I mean, we only had a hundred made. It's a limited edition. They will not be produced again. All right. Well, enough about that. Let's talk about today's guest, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We are both very excited to have uh, Paulo Rivera on the show. So let's get to Paulo. While you may recognize Paulo Rivera's work on nearly 200 comic covers, as well as his interior work on Amazing Spider-Man and Daredevil, which, by the way, he won two Eisners and a Harvey Award, he is perhaps best known for his series of fully painted 
one-shots titled Mythos, which he created with writer Paul Jenkins. These self-contained stories explored the origins of some of Marvel's most beloved characters, including our favorite, Captain America. We're excited to have him as our guest today. Paulo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. So before we, we dive into Mythos, can you share with the listeners, how, how did you break into comics? You know, I mean, your, your parents were, were both creative types. So, I mean, you could have gone in any direction, right? Creatively speaking. So why comics? Uh, <laughs> I mean, as soon as I wanted to draw anything, that's what I wanted to draw. Like, uh, you know, my, my parents had, um, I guess you could say a more fine art bent. Uh, they they had an art supply store back in the 80s in Daytona Beach, Florida, and uh, it was actually a gallery as well. They would do framing, uh, but it kind of morphed over the years into just uh, mail order airbrush supplies because that's that's kind of what my dad did. But for me, you know, between cartoons and comic books, like there was never there was never any chance I was going to do anything else. Like you know, my my dad had wanted to do gallery art at one point in his life but uh for me it's just not something i ever wanted to do i had a good friend in um in middle school who kind of wanted to go more that route but it was it was just never never for me like we both love to draw and we both share that in common but i just i always want to do cartoons and superheroes and and how did you break in uh well back in uh like the, the direct route was back in high school, I used to go to comic book conventions. And in uh, 1999, my parents took me to uh, Megacon in Orlando, Florida. And it was there that I met Jim Kruger and Alex Ross. And uh, Jim and I kept in contact over the years. And I did some work for his uh, creator-owned books. And then that work is what eventually became my portfolio that he helped uh well he, you know he showed to marvel and then uh once i got to marvel uh i got in contact with joe casada and he's the one that like got me set up working there and uh you know that was back in 2002 i think that's that's when i started mm -hmm. at marvel so started with jim back in and i was still in high school <laughs> uh and then at marvel uh while i was still in college that's crazy yeah, yeah. It, it happened. Uh, it happened very quickly for me. So it, it's kind of weird, like looking back on it now, because I had some friends who were very talented, but it took them a lot longer to get in. So it was, you know, you can really trace it back to just Jim, uh, Jim Kruger and Joe Casada, just like seeing my work and telling me, you know, what I needed at the right time. And, uh, you know, just hit the ground running. Talk about hitting the ground running, right? I mean, you you did um, uh, the a small like a Doctor Doom story, right? To to kind of start off, and then um, shortly, not too long after, I mean, you you only had done at this point two interiors and sixteen covers for Marvel, and then you land the Mythos gig with with esteemed writer Paul Jenkins, right? And and yeah. I read in read in your blog that you had only painted thirty four pages for Marvel up until that point. So here you yeah. are at the young age of twenty five, and 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 how did you land this great gig of taking on the origin stories of such iconic and beloved characters as as the Hulk, X Men, Fantastic Four, Spider Man, Ghost Rider, and Captain America? 
uh, I got real lucky. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I think it was a combination of both my editors uh, believing in me, you know, and liking my work and, and seeing that I was, um, I guess, dependable in, in some in some sense, or I should say not dependable, truthful. <laughs> I told them that, like how long this stuff is going to take. Uh-huh. And then the uh, the flip side of that is, how can you use someone who's that slow? <laughs> and the the answer is not going to be on a monthly book. So you know they liked my my work well enough that they wanted to hire me, but they had to kind of create a special project to put me on just so that I could you know hit the deadlines uh, you know that they gave me. And so you know when they first gave me a project with Christopher Priest. You know that was part of a a series of you know it was, it was double shot, and it was two short stories, which was a monthly book, but they could move me around if things got you know, dire. And in the second one, it was with Paul Jenkins, and that was part of the spectacular you know Spider-Man monthly series. But again, it was a one shot, so they could again move me around if if things got bad. And so after working with me two times, they realized okay, we need to make. Uh, give this kid lots of time, and that's what they—that's what they did. That's what the Mythos books allowed, you know, me to do. Wow. Yeah. No, Rick. Rick. I mean, rightfully so. He says these are beloved characters. They're iconic characters, and you are a young guy, right? <laughs> I mean, it, there are highly experienced folks out there at this time that might have been a little nervous about tackling a project that addresses the origin stories for like these central Marvel characters. Did you have any trepidation, any nervousness about tackling such a project? Yeah. All all the time. Like just nothing, nothing but, but nerves. Like, I don't know. uh, I mean, I was, I knew how important the project was. Uh, It ended up kind of morphing into something that what they, from what they first described to me, uh, partly because I was so slow I came into Marvel at a very, very interesting time where they were just, they weren't like coming out of bankruptcy, but like things were going well. And on the other side of that, you had the movies kind of happening and doing really well. You know, 2000, I think was when X-Men came out. And so Marvel was becoming like this pretty well-known property just outside of comics. And by the time I got in there, I think, you know, things were already moving behind the scenes to make some of these other movies. And so they wanted a set of origin stories that would be a good jumping off point for anyone who saw the movie and said, you know, where do I start? It, you know, it ended up morphing kind of away from, you know, that specifically and just kind of being its own thing. But it did come at an important time, especially with like Captain America, where it did have some kind of influence on, like the the take of the movie and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I kind of hit the sweet, sweet spot in terms of timing. Definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about the movie, right? Captain America first Avenger came out one and a half years after your mythos of Captain America. Chris Evans has gone on record to state how much your comic helped prepare him for the role. And I'm going to quote Chris Evans here. There was a great comic book called Mythos that was the closest version to the story we're telling. The artwork was beautiful. It looked almost like it was all watercolor. That's what I kept by my side while we were filming. 
I did a bunch of research independently of the film script and just tried to soak up some knowledge of the comic book world because we're making this movie for the comic book fans. I mean, how much of a thrill was it to learn that, that Chris Evans based a lot of what he was doing and, and had your book by his side during filming? Uh, <laughs> I, I want to frame that and just put it up on my wall <laughs> or, or maybe like write it out in Sharpie on a giant, uh, you know, sh- aluminum shield or something. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. I mean, that's just, that's just awesome. I, when I, when I saw him, uh, mention that in, in an interview, I immediately like posted it to my blog and sent it to my mom and <laughs> just, like, that was just awesome. Uh, and, and just, it really showed me that the people who were involved with, you know, Marvel Studios specifically uh, loved the comics and really did their homework. Um, and actually, you know, prior to that, I had gotten word that like they had my uh, my very first Marvel cover. The uh, it was an Iron Man number sixty three. They had that up at Marvel Studios, and like they, they don't have to do that, but the fact that they did just meant to me that like they really, really loved the, uh, you know, where the stuff was coming from. And, you know, and my comic cover to begin with was me just looking at old Marvel comic covers in general, you know, I wanted to see all the suits and everything. And so, you know, there's always been this, um, I guess, respect for just the history of it and the creators who have come before you and just trying to, I guess it's reimagine it in some way, but, uh, I just I've always thought the movies did a really great job of kind of taking that source material and making it, you know, a little bit more believable because uh, it is, especially as, as a painter, it is a challenge because you want to be truthful to, you know, let's say a Jack Kirby drawing. But when you're doing a fully painted Captain America uh, comic, uh, when I do like a, a, a Kirby painting, it, it just it it feels like me just slapping my stuff on top of them. So I have to kind of take a different, uh, a different angle just to make it work in, in my mind. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about your, your methods, right? So can you take the listeners through the steps that you take when you are painting? So from, from the staging, the photographs, to the layouts, the penciling, the, the, the digital color study, to the final painted page. Yeah, it's it's a long process. Uh, you know, and of course, it always starts with the script. So, uh, when I, in 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 terms of uh, Captain America, I got it from Paul Jenkins, and that script was just it was just perfect. It was like the exact tone that we all wanted. And and for me, it's it's actually what made me into a Captain America fan. Like, I always knew who Captain America was, but I wasn't like a gung ho fan of his from when I was a kid. Uh, it actually happened right around the time that I was working on that. And uh, it was also a nice excuse to kind of learn more about World War II. Um, so I get the script. I, you know, sometimes I'll actually make notes and stuff right directly on the script. I, I usually, at that time, I would always print it out. Now I do it all digitally, but it's still the same thing. It's like, it's a digital file, but I'm, I'm still like writing on the script, like what I need to do. Uh, and then I do a layout. Back in the day, it was a four by six uh, drawing, you know, just a pencil, just planning out everything. Usually I take things kind of panel by panel 
and just do, you know, whatever strikes my mind first. I'll just draw it out there as best I can. That always changes as things move on. And once I try and create some flow on the page, because it's, it's all about real estate. It's like, because you want everything to be a splash panel, but you can't do that. So you have to make choices and you got to pull back some things in favor of others. Once that's all worked out in the layout, which is where I, you know, I feel like most of the real work happens, then you go through and decide what reference do I need? And uh, for me, there's two main categories of reference. There's what does this helmet look like? You know, what does this tank look like? Like that's one kind of reference where you just need to be accurate, uh, especially if it's a period piece. And then the other kind of reference is specifically, you know, how is that fist going to look when it's flying at you? What is the lighting going to look like? What time of day is it? What are the colors? Like that kind of thing. And then once you have all that collected, uh, that's when you really go to town on the penciling. And the penciling just, you know, it tightens up the layouts. And uh, then from that point, it can either go um, to my, you know, ink and color style, or it can go in the painted style. In the case of uh, Cap you know, Mythos, it was painted. So I do an underpainting first. And at that time, I think I was doing it in gray. I, I change it all the time. It's always looking for a, a way to speed things up and nothing ever works. Uh, <laughs> but you do an underpainting. Uh, now I do it mostly in sepia. Uh, in gouache. And uh, once that's all figured out, and the reason you do that is really to firm up the drawing and work out the lighting. And then once that's done, then you bring in the color. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking back now to mythos, like each one of those books was done differently. Like each, there were six books in all, and I didn't have anything figured out until probably uh, Spider-Man which came out in around 2007. Seven? Yeah. yeah. So I did, you know, Captain, Captain America was the last one. Spidey and Fantastic Four were done roughly the same way. Uh, I finally moved back up to 11 by 17. You know, I, I tried all these things that eventually ended up doing what I should have been doing from the beginning, which is what everyone else does, which is 11 by 17 board on paper, easily scanned. Because uh, I tried everything and nothing else worked except for what everyone else was doing, you know, and with good reason. But, uh, so yeah, that that's basically the, the whole process. It's pretty long and involved. On cap, I think I finished that in about six months, but I was doing other other covers at the same time. The fastest one I did was uh, Spider Man, which I did in about three three and a half months. In, uh, in in your blog, the the self absorbing man, which by the way, listeners, I can't I can't recommend highly enough because Paulo puts an enormous amount of detail into his creative process. But but you talked about the amount of painstaking research that uh, went into illustrating the Captain America Mythos book, um, and I'm particular. I'd love for you to maybe walk listeners through a little bit about uh, in particular. Uh, you talked about going to the Lower East Side Tenement Museum and how you use that as a basis of research for Steve's apartment when he was uh, a kid. Could you can you talk us through a little bit how uh, that visit and how that research helped influence the way the, the book looked? Yeah, I, I mean, I, at the time, uh, I, you know, I tried to I was living in New York, so I tried to get out when I could. 
uh, it was funny, I couldn't always, uh, sometimes I'd just you know, be looking on Google Maps, but that was one where it wasn't too far from where I was living in Brooklyn at the time. And so I just took the train in and uh, it was, I don't know, it's, it's just such a different feeling when you actually go to a place and, and get, get to actually like be inside the building and see what it was actually like. You know, I, I can't remember now, like, I don't remember if there was a particular photo that I took, but it was more of just a overall sense of claustrophobia. <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not huge, uh, like they're big buildings. They're all like, uh, you know, several, several stories, but the individual apartments are all pretty tight. And, you know, of course you're never in there with just one family. It's, it's always a lot of people in one space. And, uh, you know, with, with Steve Rogers, like he's supposed to be there. He's, he's this young kid and like, he doesn't, you know, there's a scene right at the beginning where, where his mom dies. And I just, uh, I don't know, like I, I saw that bed. And so for me, like it was those little details of the period pieces that I would never have been able to find online. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff where you have to take artistic license, where you'll find something, a design that you like, and you're like, I got to use this, but you don't really know if it's period specific. <laughs> like there are ways to do that. But if you're on a, on a movie or a TV show, like that would be someone's entire job is just like right. figuring yeah. out those props and, and, and whatnot. And so when it's just you, like you have to take certain liberties just to kind of get the thing done. Uh, but that was one instance where you could go to one place, look at everything around you and see like, this is how it was. And this is how I'm going to make it look. Uh, so it was very helpful. And, and also I, I remember the, uh, the guy who gave me the tour ended up being a, a huge comic book fan. I don't know if he ever did this, but he, during our tour, he said he wanted to create a comic book inspired tour of the Lower East Side because so many of the creators were just from New York and that whole area. Like, you know, he was naming off like where Jack Kirby lived and all that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. I don't know if he ever did it. That would have been, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's usually popular, I, I would think, particularly around convention time, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, and I agree with Bob uh, about the blog. And I, I highly recommend budding artists uh, or even those who are just fascinated with the steps behind the creation process. Uh, check out uh, paulorivera.blogspot.com. I mean, he has a, a great reoccurring bit that he calls uh, Wacky Reference Wednesdays. And uh, it was fascinating to, to see, um, you, you know, for Mythos, Cap Captain America, where he shared, you know, the images he, he staged uh, or, or the, the references he used for his art. Um, and speaking of which, I have, I have to ask you, who is Captain Catastrophe? uh that that is uh he's i guess i guess we've been together now 20 years uh -huh. <laughs> I think of it <laughs> um he is a 12 inch gi joe doll that i bought around the year 2000 um he came with me to rome and my roommate at the time ryan brown who's also a, a combo artist, he named him captain catastrophe because I would, I would bring him, you know, for reference, but usually when anyone ever visited the studio, they can't help but like pose him in uh, <laughs> who, who know whatever, whatever strikes their fancy at the time. So uh, 
it was, he was always a mainstay in my studio and I guess he still is. I should keep him out, but he's, he's tucked in a drawer right now. But yeah, that's, that's where the name came from. And uh, Ryan Brown, you know, we've been friends now for over 20 years. We went to the same school, Rhode Island School of Design. And uh, now he's got a book out, uh, 8 Billion Genies, which uh, I'm actually working on a cover for that uh, right now. Oh, cool. Uh, and I think it, I think the series just got picked up by Amazon. Um, I don't know any of the details, but that's pretty yeah. exciting. Uh, that's cool. Well, we'll have, you know, you'll have to thank him for us. Uh, that we, yeah. just, we love the idea. Um, so just, you know, for mythos, let's talk about the, the challenge, right? Um, you said that, you know, Captain America mythos took you six months. And, and so part of that, I think, because of the research you had to do, you know, because it is a period piece, a history piece, really, I mean, World War II, you had to be realistic there. Um, but also the diversity of the settings, right? I mean, you had Brooklyn, you had Europe, you had Russia, you had Africa. Can you talk about that challenge? Uh, just a lot of Googling, basically. I did have a, a couple books. Um, there was one in particular that was, uh, it was just all reference photos of the guys in the correct uh, uniforms for where they, you know, what theater of war they were in. And I, I'm pretty sure the book was made for, now you would call them cosplayers, but, you know, at, at the time, you know, uh, war reenactors, like th those kind of guys. And so, you know, better photos than you'd find anywhere on the internet because it's just guys who, like they owned a, a tank, or at least they knew a guy who owned a tank. <laughs> and so they're all posing in the actual like gear. And, uh, and it's, you know, great photos. Like they actually went out in the mud and everything. Like they had the, uh, the ladders that they brought, you know, to, to Omaha beach to like, oh, wow. you know, the ones you, you carry on your back and then you put them together under heavy Nazi fire, uh, just to climb up, you know, it's just, it's staggering to like, to, to think about that. You know, I, I've, I've been there, um, you know, I've been to that beach and it's, it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that, that's where I got a lot of that stuff. And it was from the guys who were really into the, uh, just the uniforms and the weaponry and all that kind of stuff. I still have the book and it's, it's a fantastic resource. And, uh, you know, I had another book that was like from time and just had a, it was just a nice, um, basically timeline of the entire war, along with like little bits and pieces and uh, photos and captions. And, you know, like they have a piece on Alan Turing uh, and, you know, Enigma Codebreakers, like just like little bits and pieces. And, you know, I had heard stuff before about certain, you know, certain people, but that just kind of really brought it all together and it just became more of a, I don't know, more purpose to my, my research of, of just the enormity of World War II. Uh, still just staggering, especially in, in light of today's events. It's just like, it, it never yeah. ends. Like you think, you think this stuff is over, but there's always, there's always some dude out there who's just like rubbing his hands together. It's just like, when can I make my move? Uh, but That's true. anyway. Yeah. 
So uh, I, I wrote you after I bought page 21 of Captain America Mythos. And uh, just again, to, to thank you, because it's, it is my favorite telling of the Captain America origin story. I mean, there's dozens out there, but, but that one really has always stood out to me and meant a lot to me. And I wanted to thank you. And you wrote back and said that um, you shared some things with me in that email about that page and, and the research that you did at the VFW post. And, uh, and the guy sitting, I think, to the right of, of Steve Rogers uh, when he's dining. Could, could you share some of that with, uh, with the listeners? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind <laughs> words and thank you for, uh, for getting that page. Uh, so, you know, again, back, back in, at the time I was doing CAP, I was in New York. I was living in Brooklyn and uh, I just I went on Google and search for VFW posts just, just, just to see like if I'd get any hits. And uh, the one that I got surprised me because it was at the, uh, the armory, which is huge, huge building in, in the middle of Manhattan. And, uh, and it actually ended up being where they, I, I think they have some comic book conventions regularly there now, because it's a huge space. Like, you know, they've got like Hummers parked inside. Um, but to the side of that, there is a, an actual legit VFW post. And so I went there and I kind of like, I just kind of hung out outside until I saw somebody uh, in uniform. And I, I, I asked the guy, it's like, you know, how do, how do I get in there? And he's, you know, he, he invited me in and, and showed me around. And it was just an amazing experience because, you know, they had a bunch of stuff that was, uh, you know, actual relics and, and stuff from World War II. And the thing that struck me about the whole visit that I, I wouldn't have gathered otherwise is that they had done um, like murals, you know, because it is this big meeting space where they have big tables and, uh, and everything. Uh, but they had murals from basically every war that that regiment had fought in. And it's just crazy. Like, I don't know who did the murals, but uh, it immediately put the idea in my head, like, you know, in, in the comic and, and in, uh, in Jenkins' script, Steve Rogers uh, is an artist. Like, he, he keeps a sketchbook. And so I wanted to subtly suggest that maybe he could have done it. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't make it explicit, but I, I think, I, I think what it was. Oh, yeah. So in the, in the very first few pages, I have him uh, drawing a rose, and I put that rose in the mural. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if it's on the page that you have, but it's it's among those pages that mm -hmm. I, I did that. Uh, and then the other like detail that I don't think I would have done had I not visited was the tables uh, being put up. So, you know, if you had told me to draw a VFW post, I would have, you know, come up with a room and I would have had lots of tables and chairs and everything. And when I got there, they had all those tables and chairs, but they're all put up on the side because, you know, they're not having an event. And to me, like, it was just perfect. Like, as soon as I walked in that room, I was like, you know, because the whole book is about these guys. And Steve Rogers is like, he's not getting older. Yeah. You know, and the rest of his 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 friends are, and it just, yeah, yeah, it, it's you know, really it's, powerful, really is, and and I it to see 
that generation kind of, uh, you know, pass really. Um, and so to do that story when you and, and Paul did was a very timely story. In the fact that here's a last chance that we can tell this story, you know, we're actually capturing, um, you know, uh, plausibility of, of when, you know, these, these real live men could still be with us, um, and celebrate them. And, and also the sadness that those tables were up against the wall because they weren't celebrating, right. There wasn't a lot there going on anymore. Um, very solemn and very respectful. So it was, and it came, it came across beautifully in your work. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's what I was trying. Yeah. And we talked about that. I mean, we covered mythos uh, um, in a recent episode and, yeah. uh, and we talked about that, those particular scenes at the VFW post and, uh, and how they changed over time. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, Rick and I got awfully choked up about it actually when we yeah. talked about it. And I, and I know our listeners did when they, uh, when they listened to the, the episode. All right. So, yeah. And, and, and that's fine. Bob can own his one page, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually the proud owner of these three pages. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so pages five, seven, and eight. Uh, wow. yeah, I, I got these a few months ago. Um, and I, thank you. I could not be more thrilled, more no. thrilled because, uh, these are the, you know, this is, this is Steve being, you know, shot down and then being approached by, by the general. And then he's volunteering. He's, he's in there with Dr. Erskine. And then he actually transforms into the super soldier and Dr. Erskine's shot. I mean, I'm, wow. I, I, you know, these, these are beautiful pages and I, I, I feel so very fortunate. And I, I look at these and, and we were talking before about, um, you know, the movie, the first Avenger, right. And the 1941 set in the movie looks like it was taken directly out of this comic and your designs. Uh, I, I don't know. The, I, I don't know. I don't know about, don't know here, about but. that, but uh, I, you, you know what I do love, my, like my absolute favorite from that, that movie. I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff to love from it, but when he, when he steps up and he looks in the mirror <laughs> and he is, his face isn't even big enough to to hit the uh, the uh-huh. reflection. <laughs> it's just like so good, right? I just it's just perfect. Um, and then the other the other thing I, I love about the movie is like I saw that you know again you know I hit Marvel at just the right time. I went there uh, at the Marvel screening, so we were there with like you know my editor, uh, other creators, and just like you know we're all just so excited just because cap was the first one where we're like, can they do this? Like Iron Man, like you can make stuff blow up. You, you can put them in the suit, you know, you know, you know, you can make the Iron Man suit look cool just on its own. Uh, but Captain America like had to be done right. And they nailed it. And uh, I was sitting next to uh, uh, Dan Slott, uh, writer. <laughs> and like, we're just squealing next to each other <laughs> because they like they showed the uh, the Human Torch. Uh, in, oh, like, in the, the glass big, case, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're just like ah, <laughs> the whole time. 
and, you know, we were like that the old time, but that that time we like, I think we even like grabbed each other. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Because uh, they were just, they just nailed it and they knew the source material and it was just perfect. Yeah. And, and you had the opportunity to do the movie poster, right? For the oh, yeah, for yeah, three yeah. cat movies. And, and yeah. you know, so tell us about that. And, and then also, I'm, was that I'm challenging? crossing my fingers for the fourth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where, we'll see. I never, I never know because I, I don't get the call until it's like too late. <laughs> but yeah, we need I'm this hoping, tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm hoping they call me back, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just so cool that you, because, and if you, if the listeners haven't seen these movies, just, just uh, Google, you know, uh, Paulo Rivera um, Winter Soldier movie poster or, you know, Civil War movie poster or whatever, or, or First Avenger, because uh, they're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. And I imagine they were challenging because you had to, you had to use real life likenesses of the actors. I mean, is that, is that tough? Oh, it's, it's insane. Like it's, uh, <sighs> I never take my own advice, which is to only use the reference that I'm given for the movie. Like when I'm doing a comic, it's not, it's a little different. Cause I can like, I'm not trying to make it look like a specific person. You know, I'll, uh, I'll do, you know, I've got my, my, uh, Captain America, you know, there head he right is. Here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the, that's the man. That's it. Uh, you know, like that, I'll, 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 when I did Mythos, I, I sculpted that because I, I just, I wanted a specific look. Uh, I can't even remember the actor's name that now that I, 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 I based it on some like old, old school actor I had never even heard of. Um, but what I always end up doing is I, I like, I like one photo they give me, but I'll want it just a little bit different. And the thing is, it's like, you don't have Chris Evans in front of you. <laughs> you can't tell them like can you look up this way a little bit yeah. so it always ends up being this like really difficult process of just like me squinting and saying does that look right I don't know and and often what happens is I I'll find the angle in one picture that I like and I'll I'll find the lighting I like in another picture mm -hmm. and then I it's a, just a process of mapping that you know one onto the other and it's really hard um it takes a lot of time and just a lot of um second guessing i guess <laughs> you know where I'll, I'll just do it and say does it work i don't know and then i'll do it again um it has gotten easier i'll show you another one so now i actually i bought this off ebay it's a little hot toys one six scale you know i think it's bootleg uh <laughs> you know i don't think they're supposed to sell these but uh, I have a whole host of them and so now I've got likenesses for Chris Evans and I've got one for him in the uh, in the helmet as well um, wow. so nice. if they do ask me to do the uh, the one for Captain America New World Order I'll have to buy an Anthony Mackie one right and uh, and go from there can you but, can you uh, the one that you actually did yourself can you sh mm -hmm. show that again I want to yeah, yeah, yeah. So I make these out of, uh, I make these out of uh, Super Sculpey, which is just a polymer clay. That's cool. That really is incredible. We have some of our listeners had submitted some questions and one of them, uh, Ralph Warner asks, do you do sculpted heads for reference for all your comic art? Uh, I used to. 
you know, so I've got a whole shelf right there of pretty much everybody who was in Mythos, like all the major characters for Mythos I did. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think I used the same one for Johnny, uh, Johnny Storm as I did for Peter Parker. <laughs> you know, there's some overlap there. Uh, and I, I did a, a Ghost Rider one. This was probably my, my most fun one because I, I made oh, it. Oh, awesome. Work. Yeah, so fun. the jaw actually goes up and down, listeners. It's it's really yeah, cool. yeah. It's so much fun. Cool. You know, I did that back in I think 2007. You know, I don't really do it much anymore, um, just because I can go on eBay and buy like Liam Neeson if I if I need him. Oh, like, there he is. <laughs> and, and like, and these these sculptures are like you know they're made the same way, but the uh the sculptors who do these are just it's just incredible the amount of detail they get into them because like i'll i'll put a certain number of hours into it and then i'll be like i gotta call it quits like i need to mm -hmm. start painting but these ones like these are you know they're pieces of art in and of themselves like, right you just like every nook and cranny every crease like even the ears are right <laughs> like, uh, -huh. uh it's just they're perfect and so I use these a lot more now, uh, most recently for uh, what is it? The, the Walking Dead covers. I had, I, used, I got a Denzel Washington one. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm not making it look like Denzel. But, <laughs> yeah, right. But know, he's bald, I, I, so he makes a good zombie. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's just so much easier to, to do that now. I think I used uh, Henry Cavill for uh, Rick you know like all of oh, these sure, yeah. like this is it does look like rick yeah no, I mean, not not me <laughs> not me <laughs> oh yeah no no yeah i wish i looked like henry cavill are you kidding <laughs> all right so let's let's get back to uh captain america mythos um you mentioned before about the cover and that how you like to do like various versions of the cover so um on on this cover you have an image of cap charging toward the reader but you get a glimpse of a very scared adolf hitler in the reflection As of the shield be. yeah <laughs> and and uh and you're, you're basically taking the, the the classic cover to captain america comics number one by joe simon and jack kirby but you're providing a different perspective so how did you come up with that idea i, I wanted to paint hitler getting punched <laughs> i knew there First was only person. one way i could do it yeah exactly i i because you know, there's certain things that they they'll, they'll allow on the cover and other things that they won't like I, I don't think now on like marvel comics they don't want any swastikas like you can punch a nazi but they don't want a swastika on the cover that kind of mm -hmm. thing i don't know what the rule was back then but i you know i had enough sense to say like there's another way to do this and so um i i show that to my my editor steve wacker he loved the idea and so we went with it uh but the funny thing was, and, and then this got mentioned actually just randomly today on Twitter. Um, there are two versions of Mythos Captain America out there, and one uses the unedited version of the cover. And the reason it got edited is because I finished the cover and I sent it in, but then I also sent it to my dad just to show him, you know, look what I made, dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and he immediately, immediately, wrote back to me he's like hitler's hair is part of the wrong way <laughs> like, you didn't even look that up did you <laughs> that's kind of scary dad <laughs> like 
and you know and i had switched it because he's wearing like the sam brown belt i don't know what they call it in germany at the time but you know sam brown belt here i had switched that i had switched everything else on his uniform uh but then i had forgotten to do the hair and sure enough you know my dad saved me and then i immediately repainted it and then sent in the you know the edited version to my my editors and then but the the original one got printed somewhere i don't know what why or how uh -huh. but it's a different version it actually has different uh title on it um but yeah my, my dad saved me. he saved me a couple times on like stuff like that where i, I just something completely went over my head uh just because i had been staring at it for too long or it was become something I, I just totally didn't didn't know that's just like a thanks. dad right yeah it's like thanks dad <laughs> keep me from embarrassing myself so you're i mean your collaboration with your dad on uh volume three of daredevil is, is well known um, what's it like to, to collaborate with your own dad? That's, it's awesome. I, I owe him some work. I, I haven't given him much this, this year. Uh, but it's, it's always a pleasure because you just, uh, you know, I send him the process is I, I scan in the work here. I send it to him. Uh, he's still in Daytona beach, Florida. Actually, they're, they're about to get uh, slammed by hurricane Ian. Um, uh, so he's not going to do any work this week. Uh, <laughs> And uh, then he prints it out in the blue line and inks on top of it. Um, you know, and, and this was all like, he started back in 2011. Like uh, for those of you who don't, don't know, uh, he does custom motorcycles and like, you know, mostly paints on vehicles and stuff. But back in 2011, uh, you know, we just wanted to see if it could work and it, it did. And uh, again, he, he hit the ground running that time. And uh he ended up getting, I think, best inker that year. <laughs> it's like, wow, good for him. <laughs> it was a rookie year, uh, old man rookie. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and now like he actually gets more work from uh, my friend Joe Quinones, uh than I do just because I've been spending my time doing uh, stuff for Marvel Studios and whatnot. But I will be sending him some work very soon, um, including the 8 Billion Genies cover for Ryan Brown. And then a, a couple other ones that haven't haven't been announced yet. So, all right. So, getting back to mythos, um, like Bob said, we covered that in the last episode, and and him and I were talking about this in the beginning of the issue. You have a young Steve Rogers standing in front of the Army recruiting office, and he's standing in a very distinctive pose, right? So he's got with his hands like holding his lower back, and he's kind of standing like this, and it's not a pose one sees very often. Was there a reason behind that? Um, because we see him back in this pose a couple pages later, and I had a theory on it, and Bob had a theory on it, and I just was curious of why you drew him like that. I, I want to hear your theory first. All right, before because, I give you the answer. Because I think Paul's script is is like you said, amazing, right? And so we go from this page, which has multiple panels on it of uh different time periods, and so we're going back and forth between modern steve's uh telling the story and him thinking back to him as a kid standing in the same spot on the same street in front of the rfw right but back then it was mm -hmm. the um the recruiting office and, and and then you you paint you go back to uh when he's about to to walk across the street uh to to, to try to volunteer and i thought maybe him standing like that was a your way of saying 
this is the same point in time, right? From, from a couple pages earlier, whatever it was, to now, here's a young Steve standing in that pose, and, and that's how you, you, you bring it back. But Bob's like, no, that's just how they stood back then. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't, I don't think that was the tenor of, of my statement. I don't disagree with anything you said. I just thought it was a very period-specific stance. And I've seen a lot of old photographs where, where men sort of stood like that with their hands yeah. sort of tucked in behind their backs like that, which is, not a, which is not a way that you generally see people you know, loitering around in modern times. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited that you guys even noticed that at all. Uh, so you're right, you know, the, the main thing is like, it is, serves as a transition from, I, you know, I just had the pages up. So we're talking about page one to page two. So we're going, you know, page one is just going back in time, back in time. Uh, oh, and you should know that panel two, that's my dad uh, in oh, the cool. foreground. <laughs> Before he had a a beard. I've actually never seen my dad's face. He's always had a beard as long as I've known him. But that's (laughs) that's him before he had a beard. Um, So I have Steve in the final panel of that, and then it transitions to the next page. uh, And, you know, he's standing the same way. So I wanted, you know, continuity there. Uh, But the the second kind of detail about that is that uh, only only super skinny people can stand like that. So ah. uh, if, if you see anybody like, you know, at rest with hands on hips, like I don't ever do that. Like I'm not, I'm not super big, but I like to stand like that. It's not, uh, it's not comfortable. And I think it's only comfortable if you're like super duper skinny. Uh, but secondary, secondarily, uh, I did see more people standing like that back in the day but i think there were also a lot more skinny people back then. <laughs> I, I think there was literally less food to eat back in yeah. the 40s especially oh. you know some of those lean years so 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 true right i like to stand with my hands on my love handles that way it kind of hides it <laughs> just grips them i don't think most americans <laughs> can even do that now <laughs> um, but yeah so it's like kind of all those things are, are tied into just uh you know and and the book is filled with just like little things like that where i'm i'm surprised and delighted that anyone notices but uh that's part of the fun for me of you know just creating a, a world like that where it is all these tiny little details right you you actually in the, in your blog also you you referenced uh the the, the amount of research you did for the com- uh, tomato paste cans right that that <laughs> yeah. that steve's moving <laughs> off of the dock right and and then you painstakingly you know, paint the labels on the, on the can. So yeah, I mean, the, the little details, but <clears throat> later in the book, you have this absolutely beautiful double page splash of, of cap fighting alongside the Avengers. And, and in your blog, you, you shared that you saved this piece for last, but, but, but by, by doing that, it only left you like less than a week to complete. Um, yeah. And then Jenkins script left the details of the battle up to you Talk about how you got this done in time uh, and then how Tom Brevoort helped you pick Avengers 100 as the inspiration. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Tom Brevoort, I just kind of like, I lucked into him <laughs> when I first started out. Like he's the one that I, I worked with uh, from the beginning. And, you know, even back then he was, 
his own Marvel institution. Like he's just the guy you go to. He's been there forever and he's still there. Uh, and he's, you know, he just has an encyclopedic knowledge. And, you know, I've worked, you know, it's basically like him and Mark Wade. Like if you have a question about comics or a superhero, those are your two guys. And, you know, it almost doesn't matter whether it's Marvel, DC, or, or really anything else, like they can, they can tell you the answer. So, um, you know, I, I saved the spread for the end just because, you know, part of it is it's like running cross country. It's like, it's a mental game. You kind of play with yourself. Like you, you, you set these goals for yourself and you have an idea once you've done it enough times, like where it's going to be really tough, where it's going to be a slog and where things are going to, you know, where you're going to need to speed up. And, uh, you know, it's always going to be tough at the end, you know, you're just not going to have enough time. And so you're probably not going to be sleeping very much. And so you need, you just need some kind of motivation just to mm. stay awake, basically. And, uh, you know, that's why I leave a spread like that, because I'm just like, all right, I get to paint Captain America. Oh, wait, and there's Vision. Oh, and there's Wanda. Like, you just get to, you just get, get to keep going for a whole week. And you need that kind of motivation every single hour. And so that, that's really like, that's why I left it for the end. And that's how I was able to do it. Because uh, I did, I think I only had one week. And uh, I just, you know, when I told uh, Tom Brebar, I was like, I want to paint everybody. <laughs> like, this is my one chance. I like, I've got to paint everybody. And he's like, well, here's, here's your answer. Avengers number 100. And I, at the time, I didn't even know who Black Knight was. But that's, so that's kind of like my first introduction to him. And so uh, they sent me the, the issue and kind of gave me an idea of what was going around. And uh, I just went from there. You know, it was a whirlwind week. And I barely finished, but uh, I just barely made it. You, I, I cannot believe here it is um, 14 years later yeah. and it's still available for sale. I mean, Paulo has six pages <sighs> from this story still available. And this double page splash is one of them. So I, I listen, listeners, it's because it's too expensive. Well, listen, if I had, the, if I had the money, I, I'd have, I'd have these three pages and that double splash, but, but check out splashpageart.com for details. You can go on there, do a little search for, for Paulo Rivera, uh, go to, and he's got so much art on there. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, that double page splash, uh, someone needs to get that. Rick, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I've been saving my, my money and now you just gave away the store. <laughs> now I got I to gotta, I gotta pull the trigger on a new, another page in like less than two weeks or so. Uh, I'm sure your wife wouldn't mind. Oh my God. You don't need yeah. that car. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I'm down in Paulo, I'm down in, I'm, I'm in Florida too. So, you know, hurricane right. coming, maybe I'll just use that insurance money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just just wait until after the hurricane hits to send it. Uh, <laughs> mail, mail always is pretty bad right around then. Uh, yeah, the, when 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 I have when it comes to the pages, it's it's so interesting. Like the way we we price all that stuff. Like if it if it's a big splash page, it usually goes for more. Uh, but sometimes I'll just I'll personally like a page. Uh, and I just, I just won't want to sell it. And so I'll, I'll jack up the price and my art deal would be like, why is this like, that? I was like, Oh, I just, 
I like the way I did the clouds there. And like nobody else cares, <laughs> but it's, I just don't want to sell it. It's, right. it's one of those things. So it's always, it's a, it's a fun mix, uh, you know, but just between the two of us. And, you know, he's been my art dealer for, again, over 20 years, uh, well, almost 20 years. Um, yeah, I'm, it's weird that I'm like a, a comic book veteran at this point, but uh, yeah, 20 years this year. Uh, yeah, it was June, June of 2002. Nice. Crazy. Wow. It is crazy. So uh, here's a bit of a what if question for you. So uh, we all love, I mean, the, the original six mythos books, fabulous. Captain America, I'm partial, my favorite. But if they asked you to do it again, could you, well, what six characters would you pick to do their origin stories? Well, I, let's say you I, already did these I, six. You already did these six and you get to do six new ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, when we did it, the original plan was eight. So in in the pipeline, you know, when when Captain America had just finished and, and you know, unfortunately, we, it, it canceled the series, we were going to do Doctor Strange and Iron Man. Uh, and I, I still, I, you know, obviously wish wish we had. So those right off the bat, like that's and, and uh, again, Jenkins had like just a great just a great take on, on Dr. Strange. And I didn't really know much about him. And that's why Mythos was just such a great project for me. Cause like, I'm learning the entire time that I'm doing it, both, you know, in the case of Captain America, both about the character and also history. Uh, and so each one was a, an opportunity to, you know, basically fall in love with the character. So, uh, you know, Dr. Strange, Iron Man, uh, you know, and I actually did, I think, I think I posted them. I did mock-ups for the covers, you know, kind of staying, staying within the uh, uh, kind of like the graphics that we had gone with for the rest of the, the Mythos series. Um, I think I even did a Punisher one. Where it was just like, <laughs> it was just him and just like casings uh, everywhere. Uh, oh, what else did I do? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, Iron Man, Doc Strange, those are my top ones. Um, I had really wanted to do a Silver Surfer one. Like that was the one that it wasn't, it wasn't ever planned, but I was like trying to push it the entire time just because I, I just, I love him as a, as a character and just to paint him is just the, it's just so much fun. I would love uh, to see a, a yeah. you painting a cosmic story with, you know, different, worlds wow that would have been great yeah yeah i, I mean it's just, as just from a purely art standpoint like it would just be so much fun and it, it is it's also interesting like i think i would do it much differently now than i would have back then like cap i would i would do the same the same way but uh my silver surfer would be a very different uh just a different look uh than i would have back at the time uh so yeah uh, those guys uh black panther for sure and um, I'm doing six. I've got four, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got two more. It's, We're making it's easy a big with it when I don't. I know. But, I know. I can, well, I can, I can almost smell like, it from here. <laughs> you know what I really like? One of the things that I wish we had done, I wanted a part two for the X-Men. Mm. Okay. So I would have loved to do... Because you know, I I love the original X Men, but they're not the ones I grew up on. You know, I'm an I'm a '90s mm-hmm. kid, so yeah. For me, I wanted 
you know, kind of that Dave Cockrum, Jim sure. Lee, kind of like uh, a mix between the two. Uh, so I would have loved to do an X-Men mythos number two, because mm -hmm. uh, I, I feel like it, it would have been different enough. And plus Magneto is just always fun, fun to draw. He's just he's such a great villain. Um, so I'm gonna count that as my fifth one. All right. And then my, my sixth one. All right, how about I help you with this one? Because I, I would love to see you, because you draw beautiful women. Is there a, a, a female character out there maybe? Mary Jane number one. <laughs> <laughs> she she should get her own. Uh, she should definitely. I'd like to see you paint her. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and that, that was that was actually like that's kind of the reason that I I wanted that one spread in uh, in in Mythos Cap because I knew that was my only chance to kind of do it the Avengers. And if you do the Avengers, you get to do you know a, a bunch of great female characters. And I knew that was just like my only my only chance. Uh, but yeah, I, I've said it before. Like, I'd love to do just uh, a high fashion MJ. Mm -hmm. Would you paint her like those French women of yours? <laughs> yeah, it's like she's just she's just fun to draw. Like, it, just, it never gets old. Uh, but you know, and, and it, to to show how much things have evolved. Like, I'd love to do like a Spider Gwen now. Like, mm. she's enough of a character on her own that I would love to do her mythos uh you know or even miles morales like you know and what's interesting like you know mm -hmm. my my kids are three and seven they love spidey and his amazing friends and it's just those three characters just getting in you know and it's it's little kid stuff but for them there will never be like oh peter parker was the first like mm -hmm. it's those three and they're all co-equal uh so you know i'd love to do ones of them oh you mean there won't be a whole bunch of fanboys saying we gotta <laughs> stick with the original yeah, I, I don't even, I, I ignore most of it. And fortunately, you know, like when I, when it comes to social media, I, I don't pick fights and nobody pick fights with me uh, uh -huh. yet. Now that I say <laughs> that, you know, they're all, they're all don't, don't challenge for them. me. <laughs> Every once in a while, you know, you'll, they will come out of the woodwork, but uh, I, I don't block, I'm mute. I don't, I don't want those guys to even know that I know that they exist, mm -hmm. honestly. That's a good way you know, to go. What, yeah. It's not what, you know, it's not always effective, but for me, it, it's been an effective strategy. Paulo, I just want to let you know, uh, so, what, a month ago, Rick? Maybe a month and a half ago, you posted that picture in the Captain America fans Facebook group of you striking that Silver Surfer pose in your old comic shop. Right. So if you need like a, a life model for your Silver Surfer painting, I think, you know, Rick is, he's available. I will uh, take that information and put it in a folder. All right. <laughs> big, big reference folder that I keep right by my desk. Uh, the round file. That's right. called the round file. Um, yeah. Do we have another listener who uh, sent a, submitted a question? Uh, Grant Ball asks, Having illustrated comics in both paint and traditional pencil ink, what are some of the different advantages and difficulties for each medium in comics? Uh, you know, first of all, it's kind of the same. Like if, if you can do, uh, in order to paint, you have to have that first skill. So like the, the, the drawing, the, the ink, and it's the penciling, that's like your baseline. 
you have to be able to do that in order to paint. Um, what I always tell any of the young kids who, who ask me about painting comics, I say, first draw one. Uh, because again, I wish I had taken my own advice. Uh, it's just so hard. Like drawing comics is hard enough. Painting them as well. There's like literally only a few people who could do it. And I do not include myself in that list because I can't do it on a like regular basis because it just, it kills me. Like there's just, I'm not fast enough. I'm not even fast enough to do it. Pencils and ink. Anyway. Uh, the most important thing I can say is that when I made the switch in 2008 from painted comics to inked, the inking made my painted stuff better because it forces you to uh, make better compositions and to increase the contrast of your art while not sacrificing clarity. So one of the nice things about painting is you can gray things out which is in a lot of instances, the easy way out because you can kind of play with contrast to move things back or bring them forward. You can use color to do things that you wouldn't be able to with black and white, but with black and white, those are your two options. And so your composition has to be rock solid. And so I, I often you know, recommend that to painters, like do some black and white art because it will make your drawing better and then the drawing will make your painting better. So that, that's where it really helped me, I think. Uh, from the standpoint of my career, painting was a great thing for me because it got my foot in the door. I think that if I had tried to break in as a standard penciler, it would have taken me a lot longer. But because I could paint, it, it made me look better than I was at the time. Mm. And so that got my foot in the door in a way that uh, penciling would have, you know, I still think I would have been able to get in eventually, but I wouldn't have had like just the amazing opportunity after amazing opportunity, like from the get go, you know, starting right at the get, you know, I, I got in in 2002, I was like, get do a Wolverine cover, get to Fantastic Four. And then they give me a issue of Spider-Man. Like, like that, that would not have happened. I'm pretty sure like that would not have happened if I were just a straight up penciler. Uh, I may have gotten those opportunities later on, but it wouldn't have been so early. So I'd like to ask this question of our guests, Paulo, and because the multiverse is, is super big now, right? In the, in the cinematic universe, but, but in the comics as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I got to think there's a variant out there of you that never went into comics, right? did something else. What, what's yeah. that variant of you doing for, to make a living? Uh, it's tough to say. Um, I would probably be some kind of like engineer or industrial designer mm-hmm. or something like that. Like I do like making things. Uh, if it were still art related, I'd be like a, a toy designer or a um, or like a movie effects guy, you know, like a model builder. I think I would have yeah. enjoyed that. But but non art related. Yeah, probably some kind of engineering because uh, I, I do that like I get that bug from now. 
like I love Legos. I love like Technic Legos. They're just like messing around with that kind of stuff. I, I noticed there's a, there's a, a roller coaster model behind you. Is that, is that yeah, something you, yeah, yeah? Okay. yeah. It's like, you know, it's for my kids. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was doing air quotes when he said that. Yeah, yeah. So there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that where I, I would just like buy tools and build things and like that, that kind of stuff right. for sure. Awesome. That's great. Uh, listen, when we all become dads, that's that's what we do early on. We're like, oh, uh, yeah, li- little Johnny wants to wants, <laughs> wants this, you know, and it's, yeah. it's really for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My my three year old needs the thousand piece Lego Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, my 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 daughter and I do this thing when we whenever we go to the mall, where she actually holds me back from the Lego store. <laughs> we all, we always end up there at some point, but whenever we, we walk by it, I start to kind of trail off and she pulls me back. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's cute. So what's keeping you busy nowadays? Are, are there any projects coming up you, you can share with the listeners? Uh, I try and do about one cover per month. I've got a couple coming up with uh, boom studios. Uh, like I mentioned with 8 billion genies uh, and then Basically, half of my time is spent working uh, for Marvel Studios on the uh, Spider-Man cartoon that's coming out, I think, in 2024. That's oh. about as much as I can say. But, it, you know, it's it's sort of it's in the MCU, it's Spider-Man freshman year, but it's animated. And if you've seen the images of it yet, uh, it, it it takes heavily from kind of like the 60s animated style, which to me is just like ah, amazing. Cool. Yeah, right. I just I love I love that show and I I love that it it exists now almost as a meme in and of itself sure. independent from the from the show and that you know it's become so popular that they'll actually take like the actors from the latest Spider-Man and have them pointing each other it's yeah. just like it's it's great oh so, yeah at the end of the movie during uh the credits I think they did that yeah yeah it's just I, I love that so yeah Spider-Man 67 like I just I love that aesthetic, and I'm glad that it's getting a second life. So I not I know you can't get into details, but but what's your role? What are I mean? Are you in the animation side? Are you in the design side? Like, what's your role? All I can say is that I can't animate. Okay, <laughs> so that's about as much as I can say. But I can't say that uh, in general that I I do not know how to animate, it, and it's not something I've ever been interested in. Uh, it actually goes back to, to my dad <laughs> way back when. Both my parents worked for Disney, like for the park that opened in Orlando back in the 70s. Uh, so they have very mixed feelings about <laughs> Disney in general. Uh, but, you know, as a kid, I loved cartoons. I was like, Dad, I want to be an animator. He's like, son, <laughs> you don't want to do it because you're going to end up, uh, and he specifically said, you're going to end up tweening. It's like, what's it, what's tweening dad? It's like, it's when you take keyframe animation, two different pictures and you draw the one in between. And, you know, to a kid like that, sounds, well, I still get to draw. And, but now I, of course, I know what he means is that, that the, the amount of creativity that you yourself get to do mm-hmm. is kind of washed out in, in that particular job. Now, it is a very particular skill and it's, it's one I think I could do with some practice. Uh, but it, the reason I like comics is because you can be 
more of, I guess you, if it were a movie, you're like the director, you're everyone but the screenwriter. And so you just have, you just have a lot of freedom to do, you know, weird things like make, put people, you know, hold their hands on their hips in a certain way. It's just like, you know, that's in no one's job description, but it's your job mm. if you're making comics. And so that's why I, I like it. In comparison to animation, uh, this is the first time I've been part of a larger uh, production. And that part is just awesome. It's just, it's really nice to work with other people who have similar skill set, but not exactly. And so uh, I, I think that's something that's always been missing. You know, I've never worked as part of a studio or something. So it's really nice just having that camaraderie with people who know what to ask for. Like, that's just, mm -hmm. that's a new thing for me. Because a lot of times, you know, I've always had great editors, but at a certain point, they just say like, you know, I don't know what you need to do here, but this isn't working. Whereas when you're working with other artists, they're like, change this, 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 and this. And you're like, you got it. Like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I need mm -hmm. to hear. And I'll have that done for you in an hour. Like, that's a new experience for me. It's great. Yeah. We are so fascinated to see what comes next for you. Whatever you do is it, I mean, based on the work you've done so far, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be beautiful. Um, so what are the best way, best ways for, for fans to follow you? I'm all over the internet. Uh, just paulorivera.com. That's P-A-O-L-O-R-I-V-E-R-A.com. And then on social media, I'm Paulo M. Rivera. Uh, that's Twitter, uh, Instagram, and uh, YouTube as well. So I try, I try and, those are my main three. I'm also on Tumblr, but it's just really, it's a hologram of my other stuff. So those gotcha. are the main three. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show uh, to talk about your career and, and taking us through Mythos Captain America. We've, we've had fun wrapping cap with you. Oh, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for both the support of my original art, but also just uh, such a uh, careful reading of, of the actual book. Like it, it really, it's the best part when someone takes the issue seriously uh, with both with their time and attention. So thank you so much. All right, Bob, that was uh, so much fun talking with Paulo on the show. Um, he's a super nice guy and, and super talented as well. I love the, the stories behind the stories, right? Where he kind of gave some insight into to some of the, the things that he did um, to, to really prepare. I, I had no idea. It took him six months to 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 do mythos captain america right it, it would take me six years and i still wouldn't get past the cover um i mean it, that that the quality of the work in that book is amazing but it, what also amazed me too rick was uh i mean i heard some things that i hadn't heard before i asked him to tell me some stuff that was in the email that he sent me and he talked about two entirely different things which you know and and, and as we talked about that uh those first couple pages there is so much in there. You know, there's the stuff that he talks about on his blog, The Self-Absorbing Man. But I got to believe, as he indicated, that there's so many more Easter eggs in that book. And mm -hmm. now I, I want to tear into it again. And, I know. Uh, and really drill down to every one of those panels. I, uh, I didn't want to admit that I, I had no idea that he was intimating that Steve painted the mural in the, the RFW. Right. You know, the rose... <laughs> The rose that he put in the beginning and, and then it shows up at the end. Yeah. I, that, that's some inside baseball right there. I didn't right. know that. And lots it of great makes stories. Me appreciate it even more. Yeah. I mean, um, 
There's a lot there. And I, and I got to believe there's so much more that uh, it will require careful reading again and again and again to, to, to hone in on those things. And, uh, and I hope we get a chance to talk to him again and find out what some more of those Easter eggs are. Yeah, that'd be nice. All right. So next episode, 105, we are, we're going way back, Bob. We haven't been back to the 60s in quite some time. I want to say it was episode 75. Can that be right? So yeah, we're, it's time for us to go back to the 60s. And we're going to do not a Captain America comic book. What? No. We are going to do Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos number 13, which is the 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 classic uh, issue where it's a World War II story where Captain America and Bucky meet Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. That's such a good choice. I mean, it's such a fan favorite book, um, not only as a collectible, but also just as a, as a book to read because the story is, is, is so seminal to the relationship between uh, Cap and Nick. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool story by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. All right, Bob, as always, it's been fun wrapping Cap with you. Same here, Rick. I can't wait to do it again. All right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbanis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. 